You're listening to a Fair Mormon production. Welcome to Fair Mormon's front page news review, where we provide content and analysis of the past week's media coverage of Mormons and the LDS Church. I am your host, Nicoletti, and with me via the internet is manager of the Fair Mormon front page news service, Cassandra Hedelius. We hope this will be an edifying and entertaining experience. What we present is not to be understood as being the official position of Fair Mormon or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We speak for ourselves and sometimes not even then. So, Cassandra, let's get into this week's news. I speak for myself, but... Oh, that's good. Yeah, don't hold me too responsible. (laughs) You can't have it both ways. Okay. So let's go over the top stories that took place this last week, starting off with uh, Mitt Romney possibly running for president a third time. What's up with that? All right. Yes. Everybody's buzzing about the return of the Mormon moment, which in a way is bound to be good. You know, they say that there's that any publicity is good publicity, which I tend to agree with. We get exposure, people get curious, and they're going to hear a lot of misinformation and goodness knows a lot of snark, but they're also going to be able to hear a lot of interesting information that's going to make them curious and possibly want to learn more. So a Mormon running for president of the United States, I think, is a great thing. From the point of view of someone who manages Fair Mormon's front page, though, it's a massive headache. (laughs) During the height of the campaign last time around, um, 2011 and 2012, Um, Normally, our front page newsletter gets between 11 and 20 articles every day, somewhere in that range. During the height of the campaign, it was more like 80 articles a day, some days. It was really kind of absurd. And I think that that's when a lot of these news organizations learned, looked at the numbers and learned that when you put Mormon in a headline, you get clicks. And of course, we're, for an internet news site, when you get clicks, you get ad revenue. So, Well, and I kind of wonder that this time around, that's not an old story, that people aren't going to be talking about it as much because they talked about it plenty last time. So it's not as newsworthy. I think that's very possible. But I can also see people deciding that, well, he's running, he's still Mormon, and Mormon is still a hot topic that's still going to get a lot of clicks on our article and a lot of ad revenue for our website. So I would expect maybe, I mean, definitely not as much of the, the kind of background article of here's the basics about Mormonism, but I do think it'll get brought up quite a lot. Okay. Well, speaking of getting clicks and getting attention, we have, of course, probably what I would consider the top story of last week, and that is the television show, uh, the TLC network, called My Husband is Not Gay. Now, this mm-hmm. is, of course, this one-hour special about Mormon couples in Salt Lake City who have a, what they call a mixed-orientation marriage, where mm-hmm. the typically the wife is heterosexual or at least has uh, attraction to, to the opposite sex, and the husband, in this case, has same-sex attraction. So I remember getting my emails from the news service and just seeing story after story after story about this show. Mm -hmm. So what's such a big deal about it? Why is this such a big deal? Well, again, you have the clickbait factor that Mormon in a headline means lots of people click on it. Mormon and gay in a headline along with reality TV, TLC, that's just, oh my goodness, that's got to be just ad revenue heaven. People click on that kind of thing. It generates a lot of interest and curiosity for the public, even ones who 
maybe don't know or interact with Mormons, it's still just something that people like to learn more about. Um, so it got picked up by, yes, a lot of publications. I believe there was an AP article, possibly also a Reuters article. They both got syndicated and reprinted in a lot of other news organizations' websites. And there was a lot of critical stuff that came out, too. A lot, mm-hmm. I, I read a lot of critical articles. Right. So a lot of the news coverage was about not the show itself because it happened before the show actually right. aired. Um, the show didn't air until... Sunday, January, what would that have been? The 12th, 11th um, in the evening. But a lot of the coverage happened before then because in the run-up to the show, um, the group GLAAD, G-L-A-A-D, which is a gay and lesbian advocacy organization, um, put out or supported a petition to not have the show run. Their concerns were that it would um, promote therapy to make people not gay, which is a very controversial thing. That conversion therapy. Yes. A lot of people say that it is very harmful. Um, Some religious people say that it is um, still useful and necessary for people who want it. There's just a lot of controversy, and I don't have a PhD in psychology, so there's, I'm, I'm not going to be able to usefully analyze that. But the thing is, once the show actually aired, a lot of that criticism became completely moot, I think, and actually, in retrospect, looks um, like an interesting overreaction. There was a piece in Slate yesterday, Slate.com, the online news magazine, um, written by a gay man who watched the show with his partner and another gay friend, I think, and their reaction was... Just kind of a shrug, like, oh, all right, well, they didn't really advocate any therapy or anything like that. It was just a um, cutely staged reality TV look into their (laughs) lives and their choices. Well, I think I know a little bit of how that came to be, at least why that perception came to be. Uh, Are you familiar with uh, North Star LDS? Mm -hmm. And are you familiar with its kind of predecessor, Evergreen? That would be Evergreen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Evergreen was one of kind of, I wouldn't call it the first go at uh, LDS kind of mixing with same-sex attraction, but it was a group of people that felt that there was a way to preserve faithful, uh, a faithful standing in the church while still having same-sex attraction. They typically, and I've, I've, I've sat in a few of their meetings when I was a missionary for LDS Family Services, so I, I was able to be a part of some of the dialogue that went back and forth. And while there were some that approached this idea of, I mean, conversion therapy honestly sounds like kind of a loaded term um, by itself, but it was simply a way for them to not give into those feelings. Whereas the typical gay and lesbian community sees that as a massive denial of who you are and an assault on yourself and things like that. In fact, in this article that you have linked through the Fair Mormon uh, site, there were people that were talking about, uh, here, here, there's a quote that was uh, from the person that started the petition, Josh Saunders, who identifies himself as a gay Christian man. He said that that the, it's, a, it's potentially a hurtful message because uh, transgender and bisexual gay people, they shouldn't lie to themselves and to their faith communities about who they are and who they love. And of course, this is where 
it really semantics can kind of come into play where some people look at who you're attracted to is equal to who you love. And one of the great messages I think of North Star LDS is that there's a difference between those two things. You don't have to conflate love and sex and and make those two things identical. And so there's a lot of, I think, discord with how many people in the gay and lesbian community view love and attraction and equate it with sex and that the North Star people and particularly the people in the show just don't use the same terminology. They don't approach the subject the same way. So I think that part of that is why before the show even came out, there were preconceived notions as to what they were going to see. Right. And suddenly we're wading in some deep philosophical waters. I mean, is it true that your sexuality is the core of your being and, you know, you should never, ever have to hide or mitigate that? And I mean, those are issues that are worth exploring at much greater length than we can do here in a podcast. But I do think that um, the assumptions about what the show was going to say, what they were afraid it was going to say was that any gay man who is also religious or wants to be religious can do this, can find a woman to fall in love with who will accept him and be married and have a family. And I I wasn't able to see the show. I don't have that channel. But I understand that the show... I I have another friend who is also in a similar marriage, and he he actually is a member of Fair Mormon and has done some um, really great work for us, a couple of conference addresses that maybe we can link in the post for this podcast. Um, His take on it is that he, he is a gay man. He is in a marriage with a heterosexual woman who knew up front what his position was, who he was, and decided that she could make that work, and they have an adorable child, and it's working for them. Um, But he sees it as more of pretty much a miracle that he was able to find, um, he said, the one woman on earth that he's attracted to. Um, So it's not that this is about men being bisexual and choosing to be in a marriage. they, They are homosexual, and they are finding just one woman who they can make it work with. And they're not saying that that's something that can happen for every, every gay man or even every gay Mormon man. They're, they're not universalizing this or doing it as a prescription for anybody. And they're not pushing controversial therapies, except to the extent that um, if you are religious and you are homosexual and you want to continue living your religion standards on sexuality, then sometimes therapy can be very helpful in not helping you. I mean, I wouldn't term it repressing or stifling your sexuality, but just channeling it, learning to deal with it in a way that you can still maintain your religious standards. There are so many issues here, and I mean, obviously, people are a bit touchy and jumpy about it because it is a hard thing to be gay, and especially to be gay and religious, but I'm just really glad that the TV show, when people were finally able to see it, more of the reaction was just so okay. It's it's just them. It's just telling their story. We can have room for people to tell their stories. Right. And I want to put in a quick little plug here for Tom, who actually appeared on the show who also did a podcast for us here at Fair Mormon on our Rise Up podcast back in September. 
where he kind of talked about his experience with this issue and gave some guidelines and some suggestions. And it's really a, a great little podcast. It's only about 15 minutes long, but it was interesting because he came over to my house to record and he told me at the time, hey, there's this special that we recorded already. This was you know, back in September. This had already been recorded a long time before that. And he said, oh, I don't even know if this thing's going to come to light. Uh, because there's going to be so much opposition to it. I mean, these were things that he knew about before even agreeing to come on. So again, we're dealing with people who kind of knew what they were getting into and and knew that this was going to be some a little bit of a controversial subject, but knew that what they were living and what they were believing was more important. And that was the message they wanted. So, all right, next story, Mormons and Muslims. This is, the story is uh, talking about how South Park and and other people have been able to, I guess, not really make a tax on, but have been able to kind of poke fun at different religions. Um, but with the terrorist attacks in France uh, over the satirical images of Muhammad that were drawn, uh, we have this issue of talking about how Mormons and Muslims um, are different in how they re- seem to respond to critiques. And so the article that I'm looking at here is just one out of, I mean, not not a lot of articles focus very directly on this. It's more just something I'm seeing brought up more subtly in a lot of the coverage of the Charlie Hebdo murders. In France, people were, they, they were murdered basically for satirizing Muhammad. And people are drawing this analogy that, well, here in the U.S., we have had South Park making fun of Mormons and, and Muslims and everybody. I don't know if there's anybody yeah, they Catholics, do. They don't Scientologists, make fun of. <laughs> yeah. Right. Open um, season. But then we also had the Broadway musical, The Book of Mormon, which is not just, I, mean, I think that South Park's audience is pretty large, but I think that The Book of Mormon, the musical, is could be said to have a much wider reach in the culture. It's become even kind of a even a cornerstone of our culture at this point. It's the Broadway show that if anybody's seen in the last few years, that's the one that they've seen. Right. And, and, but it's not even satire, though. I, I I don't even know how you'd categorize it. It's just, there's just very little truth to it. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess satire is a word that will do, but <laughs> I was talking to a coworker the other day and she found out I'm Mormon and said, oh, I saw the Book of Mormon on Broadway. I'm like, great. Like, yeah, that has nothing I, to do with us, but thanks. You don't know anything. <laughs> And so this is a weird topic because it's not really about Mormons. Um, There's no actual Mormon component to what happened in France. But it is interesting that for purposes of, you know, everyone now is trying to work out what does this mean for free speech, for our ability to disagree with or lampoon religions and ideologies that we don't like. Um, Here, you know, we're Americans. We love free speech and we love things like the Book of Mormon. And yet... There are news organizations in the U.S. that are censoring satirical images of Muhammad out of safety concerns, but also the statements that are being put out by like the Associated Press and the, and the New York Times, I believe, are saying that this is also out of deference to the sensibilities of religious believers, to which, as a Mormon, I kind of cock my head and say, oh, really? Because <laughs> you were sure enthused about the Book of Mormon Broadway show. Absolutely. So I I don't know if there's a lesson to take away from this yet. Just it's very interesting to see these conversations unfolding that people are realizing, well, 
it's there, there can be real consequences to um, hurting people's religious sensibilities. Um, not that we want terrorist <laughs> attacks yeah. to become a thing, and not that that in any way excuses what they did. But we are going to be talking about for a long time, I think, where to draw the line between not inflaming people who are eager to be inflamed and respecting religious sensibilities, but still maintaining our right to lampoon them when they're lampoonable. Lampoonable? Yes, lampoonable. That's, that's a good Everybody word. is. <laughs> so we'll see. In the coming months, I think we'll we'll be talking about this more. Well, certainly if, if Mitt Romney decides to run and we kind of pick that scab again, uh, then that's then this whole Mormon moment issue comes back up. And that mm-hmm. almost kind of leads into our, our last topic, and that is this article that came out that talked about the percentage of a particular religious faith and how much percentage they have in Congress mm-hmm. versus the percentage that they represent in the actual American population. So I guess that right now we have, is it 16? 16 uh, Mormons will serve in the Senate and and uh, the House of Representatives combined. Is that is that the right number? Do you know? Uh, let me see. I'm looking. There are 16 members of Congress now. And then I believe there are seven senators. Oh, okay. Okay. So I got half of it right. Well, yes. the, the, the conclusion was made in this article that members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints make up 3% of Congress, while the faith's followers account for only about 2% of Americans. So there's just a slight percentage difference. But they're also bringing out in this article stating that Catholics make up 31% of the members of Congress, but only 22% of the U.S. population. Uh, Jewish members make up more than twice the percentage of Congress than they do their general population. This, is, this article actually is from uh, the Salt Lake Tribune. And so I guess I'm curious. What is the implication of this article, if there is one? Or are they just stating this is how it is? Well, I think this is a pretty basic, um, obvious sort of article to write every time a new Congress is seated, um, especially for a paper in Utah. Just, you know, Mormons are big in Utah, and how many Mormons are there in Congress now? Um, just an art- or the author taking a minute to crunch some numbers. Um, so it is about what you'd expect, I think. There are a lot of Mormons who represent Utah. That's definitely what you would expect. And then the rest of the um, the Mormon belt in the Mountain West, Arizona and Idaho and over into Nevada and California, and there are large numbers of Mormons there. Although it is pretty interesting that Nevada right now actually has two Mormon senators. That is not what you'd expect. Mormons make up a pretty large proportion of the population of Nevada, but not that large. And so, I mean, we have, so there are seven Mormon senators right now, which means 7% of the senators in the United States are Mormon, which is wildly out of proportion to our, the, the Mormon portion of the population at large. But on the other hand, the United States Senate is not a proportionally governing body. Every right state has two senators no matter its population so it's just interesting i guess it's just um an interesting trend to note um and especially when you've got some political quote-unquote superstars who are getting talked about a lot even outside of their mormonness like mia love 
um, uh, the first female black Republican who is also Mormon. There are so many angles to for a reporter to write about her, and yeah. this is one of them. So it's it's great to see that they are um, continuing the tradition of the um, the LDS Church Caucus. They call it, meaning just that Mormon legislature legislators get together once a month or so and talk about Mormon stuff, I guess. Um, Buck McKean of California was the one who ran that for a long time, but he's just retired. So it sounds like some of the newer representatives, um, Jason Chaffetz of Utah, are going to keep that going. So there are a lot of Mormons in Washington, which can be hilarious. You'll hear rumors, or at least I hear rumors out here in Maryland about how the Mormon temple in D.C. has a replica of the Oval Office so the Mormons can take over the government. It, oh. It's really kind of hilarious, the urban legends that you get. I have not get. heard that one. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. All right. Well, those are the top stories from this last week. We want to encourage people to check out the Fair Mormon blog at blog.fairmormon.org where they will be able to uh, see the articles from this past week, uh, a series of articles from John Gee on why do they leave, focusing on the why some of the youth leave the church. We also have uh, Faith and Reason 34, episode 34 of our podcast series. This one focused on ancient shipbuilding, both Noah's Ark and how it correlates with the boats that the brother Jared built in the Book of Mormon. And then I went through being the manager of podcasting for Fair Mormon. I went through the 2014 highest listened to or visited uh, podcast episodes. And uh, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but we discovered that the number one episode from 2014 actually came from 2013. And it was that popular. And uh, it was one that we decided to throw into our Rise Up podcast series for the youth. And it was entitled, What's Wrong with Masturbation? by our Executive Vice President, Steve Densley. So we decided to re-put that one up, and uh, so you can check that out as well. You know, a note about that post, sorry. Go for um, it. It wasn't just Steve that um, the text of that was contributed to by a medical doctor and a um, family therapist professional. So, yes. A yes. more credibility to that. Yes, and Steve was the reader on it. He, he was the one that recorded it and presented it. But it's got some really great information, as do hopefully all of our podcasts, including this one. So we want to thank you guys for listening and tune in each week to the Fair Mormon front page news review, where Cassandra and I will review the week's news and give you some additional perspectives to help you digest that information. So thank you for listening and listen next week as well. Thanks. This has been a Fair Moment production.